expected responsibilities for that year. It's not an exceptional responsibility. It's a responsibility which is standard to you as a board member. People from both sides need to encourage each other to come and talk about these topics that are causing difficulty. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. Let's jump right into it. What is a board retreat? Well, for me, a board retreat is bringing the board together in a less formal setting than a board meeting, although in most states there's still public meetings, mm -hmm. um, with the purpose um, of having more deep and robust conversations about things that really matter. Okay. Yeah, you can just let your hair down some at these. Or, uh, I think Mary mentioned the less formality, and that's an important aspect of it. I think people feel a little uh, more free to talk and less constrained by the board rules. Yeah, and I think you have more time so you can take a deeper dive into, into topics than you might normally do in a formal board meeting. Is there anything that prompts a board meeting typically, or is it something that's held annually in most cases or biannually? I think it depends. At my college, we had at least one board retreat every year um, because the board really valued having the time together and the time with the president and the admin team. It's a good time to look also at your strategic plan, revisit it, see how it needs to be nuanced, get people's input towards it, hear from the president, board again, the board and the, and the CEO sharing in an informal setting. Okay. I think it allows you to ask, ask questions a little bit without the, am I asking the right thing? Am I phrasing this right? You just blurt it out and ask the question. And I think that that's the beauty of the retreat, the informality of it. And do you see, you know, it, is there like a, a specific way that both of you in your experience have approached a board retreat? Like, you know, do you sort of start with, um, you know, any mediation that might need to be done and work down from there or? It's really unique to each board and the situation which they have. Uh, and every board goes through various life stages, just like human relationships and group dynamics. Um, sometimes it's like taking your car. Sometimes we take in our car because it's broken. Other times we take our car in for preventive maintenance to enhance the, the performance of the car. Board retreats are a lot like that. And every board, it, it, you're, you're not a bad board because you um, need repairs every once in a while and some things are broken and you need to have a retreat to, to kind of hit things head on, especially when colleges are going through lots of changes, whether vast increases in enrollment or decreases in enrollment or maybe changes in financial condition is a time to, to bring a board together and make create some issues on the board, some fractures, which need to be um, addressed at a board retreat. Other times, it's just, as Mary said, with her board, they, every year, a lot of those, who I'm sure, were good maintenance boards, uh, times, opportunities, just to keep enhancing their performance and making sure that they're all on the same track. Yeah, when I'm facilitating a board retreat as opposed to participating, um, it's very customized. So I like to talk to the president and board members and just get a sense of the issues and what things are rising up okay. out of the conversations. And then based on that and a discussion about what outcomes they're looking for, I mean, I always ask, what would make you walk away from this six hours we have together and feel fabulous about the time that you spent investing That's in this good. retreat? And then from that, develop an agenda that will meet those outcomes. Typically, there's something in there about board role and responsibility, president role and responsibility, communication among the board and the president, and often future-looking strategic planning or work plan for the president, you know, what's going to happen in the coming year. 
This may be a silly question. Is the president usually there at the meeting? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. This is a relationship. Okay. So you can't have a session without two parties of the relationship, but it's the board and it's the president. Okay. Um, now, it seems like ideally everyone's participating um, and sharing their opinions, but how do you encourage participation if, you know, the board seems like they don't really want to talk? Well, I think like Mary mentioned, first of all, you do a lot of work beforehand. Um, to make sure you're th that the agenda is matching what board members want. And you ask that question, like Mary said, what do you want to get out of this retreat? What are, you, what are the issues that need to be addressed? And you make sure they're included on the agenda. So there should be buy-in right away because of the pre-work that you're doing. Okay. I think most, for the most part, trustees are, are uh, wanting to talk, wanting to give input. And I think part of our job as facilitators is read the body language around the room too and making sure that if a person looks like they're maybe being, being cornered out or ostracized in a little bit, and maybe not purposely, um, that we, we make sure we include them and get them back into the conversation. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that, Ken. I think what I try to do is develop a, uh, an interactive, dynamic, fun agenda mm -hmm where they are really participating, yeah. that they're not just listening to a bunch of people talk at them, mm -hmm. but what comes out of the retreat is based on you know, their thoughts and, and, and their talking. And, and I think the prep work is really important, and that does give them some investment in, in wanting to be there. And, and both Mary and Ken, um, you know, Ken is a trustee, Mary a long time, you know, both long time roles that they've had. Um, their, your point about doing the initial work, whether it's through interviews, as Ken has done, and we've done, you know, many of our facilitators talking to each board member in advance so that, you know, you make sure you're really making them feel included and in getting what they want out of it. But um, it can also, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. Like we've had turnaround retreats within a week. And, you know, as you know, Ken, it takes a long time to get people on the phone. And sometimes they want to talk for a long time. So it's an investment of time. Um, sometimes we do it just with like an opening dinner the night before to kind of build that trust going in with the facilitator. Um, but also related to that, <clears throat> you had asked about, is it preventative or is it just maintenance or kind of sometimes both? And um, just in informal conversations with some of my facilitators, I've heard that the majority of them often are sort of interventions. <laughs> and even with the legwork done in advance, I had a facilitator just recently who did a, a, a retreat and he said, yeah, we pretty much threw the agenda out the window as soon as I got in the door. <laughs> you know? and because there was a lot of, of, of um, communication that needed to be established and, you know, Again, clarifying roles and responsibilities, but also helping to build trust among the trustees, trust with their, you know, president and that. Um, know, even with the interventions, though, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's finding out, and it, again, the informality of the setting, I can't be overstated, because a person gets to talk, why am I coming from this perspective? Why, why do I seem like the minority board member on here? What am I trying to achieve? Um, am I... Um, let me tell you and share with the other board members some of my concerns. Oftentimes, when you get to that, and not always, but oftentimes, you can find commonality. Um, and, 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 they're, and they're all there, as long as they're there to serve the students and the communities of which they're a trustee for, um, then I think we can all get on the same page. Um, 
if there's not that commitment to the students and the college as a whole, then I think we have a bigger problem. And that's a lot, lot bigger challenge, would you, Mary? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to approach, a, say, a divided board um, with extreme caution. <laughs> but um, I think trying to assess by talking to them kind of what's the, what's the kernel of the, of the problem with, with the board members and, and assess whether it's solvable or not. Because it may not be. People may be so entrenched in their positions um, that they believe they're right and they're not going to change. Um, so if that's the case, you can still try and do some work, you know, really good listening from a third party independent facilitator, making sure everybody is heard. Um, you can talk about the, the best practices of a high performing board. And you can kind of try to call people to their best self <laughs> and think about, you know, why are you here? Why are you even on this board? And it's because of the students and the amazing mission of community colleges and maybe helping people remember that. And if you can, get them to at least come to some working agreements of how they're going to be with each other going forward. And it may not be a love fest, but... Um, professional codes of conduct about how board members are going to treat each other even when they're in disagreement and that may be the best you can do in that situation. Um, I've also had boards um, think about what would a high-performing board look like to them and actually develop mm -hmm. that for themselves and, measure and, themselves against and that. then measure themselves against that um, we did a retreat recently where we did that with a board, and we came up with about six things that they be they believed um, constituted a high-performing board. And um, when they do their board evaluation, they'll be they'll be looking at that. I do think um, the the dinner the night before is really helpful. It's a, an informal setting. Tremendously helpful. We we ask the question. Um, you know, what made you say yes to your college, right. to being a board member if you're appointed, or what made you run if you're elected? And the last one we did, it was amazing, um, the stories that we heard about why they loved community colleges and the mission. There were immigrants among the group, or the children of immigrants, and they told their immigrant story and how community colleges had made a difference for them. So if you can remind people about that, and that created kind of a bond with everyone right. to start the retreat the next day and in a really positive way. Too. Yeah, which was very because we told our stories too. You just could go in the next day and all of a sudden start this retreat. Right. Yeah, this right. um, made a lot better situation. Yeah. Now, what role, Colleen, does ACCT play in facilitating all of this? Well from the uh, sort of management of it all. You know, we usually will get a call from a president or even a trustee, you know, saying we'd like to have a board retreat. You know, we offer that as a service and we have a cadre of facilitators across the country. Mary from the far Northwest to Ken in the uh, far uh, East, Southeast, Southeast <laughs> East, wherever Florida is. <laughs> and everything in between. And um, so usually what we do is once, you know, a, a board has decided that they want to do it, we'll identify, you know, a couple different facilitators, send them their bios, and then we, you know, we say, you know, you're fine to call them and interview them and see if they're the right fit. And then they, from there, they take the, the, the um, role of, of preparing the agenda, talking with the trustees, deciding what the, um, helping the board decide what they want to focus on at the retreat. So 
once once that part's done, I, I kind of step out. I mean, we, we provide whatever other, you know, if you need materials or resources and that, we've got that. But the folks that are working for us are all very experienced either as presidents or trustees, so they've been on the ground, and they're the ones that um, probably work best with the, the trustees that are out there. Yeah, I think it's great that, um, you know, we have – former presidents and board members as a, as a resource for other trustees who want to improve the health of their board. One of the questions that you had asked about, about the motivation though, and I, I was talking to somebody in house about how, how do you get them to agree to a full day retreat? You know, a lot of them are working full time or even if they're retired, you know, it's a commitment to you know, in addition to, you know, depending on the board, if they meet monthly, quarterly, or whatever, saying, I'll either take a day off work or, you know, and, and back to your ACCT question, I mean, we can even, you know, we've done them on Saturdays and even Sundays, but um, how do you motivate the board members to actually say, okay, yeah, I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll participate, I'll be in there? Well, as a board member for 13 years at a college, uh, this is a best practice for a high-performance board. It's just one expectation that you have to fulfill as a trustee to make this commitment. Uh, and it should be seen, I wish it was always seen, because oftentimes, as you mentioned, Colleen, it's seen as, oh, we have a problem, we need a retreat. And, and, and that's really not what retreats are about. That's part of it. That could be a reason for retreat, but also retreat should be a best practice, like Mary mentioned at her college, which they did it annually. It was scheduled. There was a certain uh, expectations out of it to revisit the strategic plan, see how their alignment's going, see revisions and so forth. And so I think if, if board members realize the importance of that and, and it's an expectation of your college that you're going to make this commitment as part of your board service, you just put it in as part of your expected responsibilities for that year. It's not an exceptional responsibility. It's a responsibility which is standard to you as a board member. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that board members um, seek to be appointed or seek to be elected because they want to do something good for the college and something good for their community. So I think their inclinations are to want to be part of uh, making the college the best it can be. And so I haven't actually had a problem with um, getting board members to uh, board retreats, but as Ken says, Part of their orientation was we have an annual retreat and we would have it on Saturdays and Sundays because many of them were working and we would just set the date in advance and, and, and people would come. And actually I found the opposite is true. Board members which have, have had a record of maybe poor meeting attendance really make the effort to be at the retreat because maybe they feel that their opinion given at the retreat is even more valued than at the board meeting and their input's even more important there. So it could have a reverse effect. Well, I have heard, um, you know, a couple of more the mediation type of retreats where I'll be talking to a president, one recently, who said, unfortunately, the people that need to be there will not come. <laughs> and this was a nine-member board, and five people came, and they said to the facilitator, we're the only ones that matter, which is a shame that that was their approach because they said we're the ones that come to the meetings. We're the ones that... And sometimes the pre-work helps mitigate that. Mm -hmm. By having that conversation with whatever's perceived the senders on the board, I hate to use that word, but 
by having that conversation and them buying into you as a facilitator that you are really going to listen to their concerns and be open to their concerns uh, and bring them as part of the agenda. Um, when they have that type of buy-in, usually they show up. Um, and well, I like Mary's point too that that's should be in the onboarding process. Hey, we do a retreat on the third Saturday in June every year, you know, so block that out or something that that's something I'm not sure if many call, I, don't, I have no idea actually the answer to that, whether it is part of their onboarding process, part of their, you know, responsibilities. When you come on, you know, you're expected to Definitely attend. best practice. Yes, but a best <laughs> practice. So. But I think other board members, I mean, especially if it's a divided board, um, People from both sides need to encourage each other mm -hmm. to come and talk about these topics that are causing difficulty because if they don't, mm -hmm. it's going to be status quo and it's never going to get any better. So mm -hmm. I think both the president and board members can um, talk to the people that might not show up and say, you know, we really need to have your voice at the table here. Are the, so in this um, homework, so to speak, that you encouraged before, a meeting what what does that usually consist of usually phone conversations with okay. each individual board members uh, Mary kind of went over some of the the points as far as just finding out from the board members what they're hoping to achieve what are the issues that they think need to, to be addressed maybe some concerns which they have they would like expressed and in our when we put these agendas together we don't put names next to it we try to figure out what the concerns are uh, we try to get an idea from the chair and the president, usually in the beginning, what do you think the board members are going to say, since the chair speaks for the board, and try to say, hey, these are some, and so you kind of, when you call the board members, you say, these are the items that have been mentioned. Uh, what items do you have? And, and get that type of um, inclusion um, with, with each board member. Uh, and then you keep adjusting the, the, the agenda to, to reflect the concerns that are expressed. Mary, would you agree with that? Yeah, just ask open-ended questions. You know, what do you think the biggest challenge for the college is right now? What's working really well? What do you want more of? Um, what uh, do you see in the next year for the institution that are, you know, are the most important topics to and pay some attention to? Things like, how do you think the communication with this, you're getting the proper reporting to monitor the college as a trustee? Do you think that needs to be enhanced or addressed, or are you fine with it? Those types of internal questions too, because sometimes the, those are the sticking points um, between trustees and between trustees and the CEO. So those types of things, you know, you handle the bigger picture items, mm -hmm. you also handle the nuance items, which oftentimes cause conflict. Yeah, I think uh, an important point to draw out of that is that really anything is on the table to be yes. discussed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a trustee shouldn't feel awkward or, you know, bad about bringing anything up that they're concerned about. Sometimes, sometimes you get opinions like, I don't feel like I'm valued at a board meeting. Sure. Um, my, and and, and that's, that's a great topic to address, how, how we respect each board member's opinion. Each board member is equivalent. They're, they're equal. The one's not has a higher status than the other. They have one vote each. <laughs> well, bridging Jacob's earlier question about what does ACCT do and sort of the practical putting together the, the meeting, I, I'm thinking... Uh, view specifically can I, I don't know about Oregon but Florida I know has very strict sunshine laws we've often encouraged participation by saying you know if it's posted as you know no action will be taken and if it's on like a Saturday I mean you might you, 
you know, likely just have the board members in there. Colleagues, <laughs> how do you have, yeah. This. And almost every state now has these open meeting rules yeah. of some type. And so you just comply with those laws. Mm -hmm. um, it tends to be, since it's an informal, more conversation, like you say, no business is going to be taken, a lot of times there isn't the interest from the press to come to something like that. They're certainly welcome to come. Um, there isn't the interest from the usual folks who may come to a college board meeting. Um, and, 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 and although the meeting's opened, um, oftentimes there's, there, it's the board and the president and maybe a few uh, other folks, um, uh, but, but Administrative. Yeah, and, and, and usually it's administrative people to help the, the retreat. So someone may be reporting it. So I guess you create the feeling like, first, first of all, it's still open, yeah. but, mm -hmm. but it, this, this is not something that um, uh, maybe it's going to uh, be the, the highlight of your day for right. folks who are maybe <laughs> don't have a direct interest. So, so there's, and so for the most part, it's re, it, the folks who, um, it's, it's the board and the CEO. Yeah, same in Oregon, and I think most states, they're public meetings, and, and anytime you have a quorum of the board, you have no, to notice the meeting, and you have to have some kind of agenda, mm -hmm. you, normally a pretty general agenda, okay. though. And in my experience, we've had people show up at most of the board retreats, um, but the board chair makes it clear that this is the board retreat, <laughs> and they're going to deal with... Um, board business and board conversation and it will not be maybe as open and flexible in terms of taking comment and those right. kinds of things that we would normally do at a regular board meeting and so as a facilitator i just focus on the board and that's i don't look beyond the board yeah. i'm 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 right. engaged with them come in and stay for 15 yeah, minutes a half hour just to see if anything's happening and leave yeah. and you know it's 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 it, it again it's an open meeting but and, and, and generally, I recommend, although it's not always possible, um, don't have it at the same place as your board meeting, usual location. It, it's just good to have a different setting, a more casual setting than, than, and that, again, keeps with the whole spirit of it a little bit being different than a board meeting and being more casual. And it is funny because I remember one time, this wasn't a board meeting, this was a commission meeting um, that I had put together of all presidents. This was a different organization. And we had an emergency, <clears throat> so we had to move it to the president's house. And everyone said that was the best meeting they'd ever had. <laughs> I mean, we had like, you know, ham sandwiches with American cheese. <laughs> I mean, you know what presidents are used to being served. And I think they were happy to have this more relaxed atmosphere. Not what are you presidents used to being served? I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> These were all four years. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the point being you know when you're facilitating it you want it to be nice and you want to treat people you know as any kind of guest you would treat but you know that that setting really made a difference in terms of what sure. happened in the meeting you're right. uh, rather than everybody sitting around a board table and yeah although it's, that's also a little tricky because you have to have the meeting in a place that is accessible oh, right. and yeah. will hold whoever shows right. up. Yeah, and if that's the, the commission meeting, of yeah, the board meeting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. Is there anything you want to touch on before we wrap up? Yeah, I was just going to say maybe they could each say a few words about um, what they see as the most valuable part of having a retreat, and sure. you know why? Why you? Well, you've kind of already talked about why you would uh, do think it. Well, for me, I'm particularly interested in um, helping you presidents get off to a good start with their board. 
you know, the average tenure of a community college president is, what, three years now? Yeah. And programs like the Aspen Prize are showing us that real transformational t change takes place when presidents stick around for, you know, up to 10 years because mm -hmm. that's how long it takes to, to, to move a college forward. Mm -hmm. And so if it takes 10 years and the average is three, <laughs> we're not doing very well. And so... Uh, and it's expensive. I, and, you know, part of the issue, I think, is that the boards understand that they have to hire a consultant to do a search, and that costs quite a bit of money, and they could pay a little more and really invest in the success of their new president by having a retreat, making sure that the new president is absolutely crystal clear about the expectations mm -hmm. for the year. The board is clear. It's memorialized. It's written down. It's referred to throughout the year. Everybody sticks to it. Mm -hmm. And um, the president knows how he or she is going to be evaluated. All of those things can happen in a retreat. And so for me, it's how do we move that needle of three years to four years to five years? Because it isn't good for our students if there's turnover at the top of the organization every three years. It's just not a good situation for the college, for the community. And that trickles down as well, because new president down. comes in and hires a new CFO and a new, you know, All of that. provost. So I think if we want our colleges to be better and to improve and to improve the student experience, uh, we need to make sure that we can keep our presidents working. And a, and a lot of the problems with presidents are between the president and the, and the board not being clear mm -hmm. about what needs to happen in the institution. When CEOs change, it's, it's a time of tremendous change for the whole institution, obviously. And, and, and what happens is that boards get together when their CEO announces their retirement or they unfortunately uh, terminate the CEO. They get together generally and come up with a, 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 a job description for what they want in the new president. A lot of times it's what the last president was not. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, then they go through this, as Mary said, this very expensive, um, not only expensive in, in dollars, expensive in time and resources for the whole college, the community, the board. And then they go through that meeting where they select the new president by some vote. Uh, majority vote of that president, and then after that, they basically take the keys to the car and hand them to that president and said, okay, you go, go do it. Um, and, and, and there's not a lot of alignment there after that. They put all this resources into preparing for this and making this decision, and then once they make that hire, we have seen it through our experience, and we have had a lot of experience with community colleges, there doesn't seem to be much maintenance after that at a most vulnerable time. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes that president, even if the president comes internally, but often at times when they come externally, there's, there's no relationship there yet. And so establishing that relationship, culture-wise understanding the relationship, what are the priorities of the board members? What's the priorities of the board as a whole? How did they come to those priorities? How are they going to assess that new president? All these types of things, it's just fair to that new CEO um, that the board express these things in a very overt way. Um, having a retreat and having a set program, not only a retreat, I think it needs to be more robust than that to make the success of your investment happen. Um, we wouldn't do this anyplace else. We wouldn't put all this money into something and then walk away from our investment and just hope it does well without monitoring it. And so why not put, um, the extra effort um, that will pay great dividends, as Mary said, 
Because if you taking that three-year president to a seven or eight-year president and coming an Aspen College and meeting the needs of your community in the best way, I mean, this is what, it, what it's about. And it just takes, and we haven't done, we as a college system have not done a very good job helping colleges with this. No, I, a president is never more loved than the day they're hired. <laughs> and that's just a true statement, I think. And so if, if, if um, in some cases, retired. Uh, or retired. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but if, if all the board does is hand the keys of the office to the president and say, go forth and transform this place, focus on student success or whatever it is, um, and don't really get clear about what that means and what the implications of those directions are, it's all great until the first change takes place and somebody shows up at the board meeting complaining mm -hmm. about the change that just happened. And then things begin to go south. So a retreat can really clarify, yep. what does it mean to transform this institution? What does student success mean to you? Um, when I make changes in a particular part of the college and people show up at a board meeting, what are you gonna do about that? What, what's your reaction gonna, gonna be? Are you gonna blame me for making a change that you directed me to make? Or are you, are we going to work together and figure What's out the how? What's the board's acceptance of yes, change? Yes, exactly. What's, what, what, how, how much tolerance do we have? How much change do we really want you to do? Yeah. And what sort of the sacred cows out there, maybe? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah I, th I think an important component for um, board members to keep in mind is the financial costs, like you were talking about, of not developing a good relationship with your president. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, you know, the board members might think of uh, this as kind of a headache, but not so much as a extremely expensive headache. Well, it's the financial cost, it's the public relations cost, mm -hmm. and it's the succession costs, right. because if a board and a president part in a negative way, who's gonna wanna work there? Yeah. And the pools for presidents are, are slim mm -hmm. <laughs> in these times. It hijacks the agenda of the college for a couple year period. Yeah. Yeah, when those types really of things happen. Transformation day. So, I mean, no one wants that for their college. Everyone wants their college moving forward. The way to do this is by absorbing these, observing these best practices and implementing them in your college, and especially the onboarding of a new president with the board. That coordination can't be emphasized enough. And again, it's something we we admit our system has not done a good job in the past, and that's something um, Mary and I are looking forward to correcting. I'm Christina Simons. I'm the Director of Educational Events here at ACCT. I'm here to tell you a little bit about our annual Leadership Congress coming up in October in the Big Apple, New York City. It's October 24th to the 27th. We're expecting over 1,400 community college trustees and presidents in attendance. This means it's a great networking and professional development opportunity for you. The early bird registration deadline is coming up soon, August 17th, so be sure to get registered or go to congress.acct.org for more information and we hope to see you in New York. Mm -hmm.